The future is now. Finding the NOSO has never been easier. Subscribe to us on our new YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, and bookmark the new home for No Holds Barred, The Jenny Position, Wrestling War Zone, and all your favorite NOSO podcasts at NorthSouthConnection.com. It's New Year, New NOSO, NorthSouthConnection.com. <laughs> North South Connection podcast listeners, welcome back to the Loops Aggressive Podcast. It is episode seventy-one, I think. I don't know if the numbering is thrown off, but anyway, we are in the precipice of backlash two thousand three. This is the go home week. Joining me again is going to be Logan Crosland. Logan, what's up? Yeah, for the next to last time. So, <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Um, but no, I'm I'm doing well. Uh, you doing all right today? I'm doing okay. Um, we'll see how these shows. I don't know if they're doing all right. Um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> as of this era, I think this era in general, they're not. They don't really stick the landing on these go homes. Are they just kind of like they have everything set up and they just kind of mail it in? Um, so I don't usually expect a ton from these. Um, and this has been kind of a hodgepodge show that they've been building. Uh, so I guess we'll see what we get into. But on that topic, Logan, we have a few things. We don't have any news notes to get to, but. Um, a couple things to hit. First of all, let's, before we, any more about backlash, let's go over. We have some, we got some feedback from, um, North South Connections own, uh, Marcus, uh, Fuller. And he let us know, uh, he was in fact at the SmackDown that we covered last time. He was there live and he had a few, uh, notes for us on things from the, uh, the live taping. And one thing it illuminated to me is. I kind of always just take for granted. Maybe I'm naive in this sense is like, I always figure like maybe they tighten up SmackDown a bit, like take a thing here or there, but I always like, I think in my head, SmackDown is more like live to tape sort of thing. Yeah. And like, I don't really think that they edit it much, but according to Marcus's live notes, they do edit it quite a bit. So 
he's told us that the um the Hardy Kendrick um no, I'm sorry, not the Hardy Kendrick. Uh, it was the uh yeah, the Hardy Kendrick match was like a botch fest. <laughs> was like uh, the one that we loved. I mean, we yeah. we mm-hmm. sang its praises, but he said um because you had noticed like a glimmer of it, like you saw through Logan, you noticed that the twist of fate looked a little janky, like they added into it. And Marcus let us know live, it was like many, many botches of that match. And um, as we talked about, we will not see Mr. Kendrick on these episodes. So maybe he's in the doghouse or they think he needs a bit more seasoning um, before getting back out there. Yeah, it makes sense that he's not on these episodes. Um, but yeah, I mean... I, I know, yeah, I noticed that one uh, on the twist of fate, kind of like you said, but uh, I, I didn't really notice a ton of other ones. But um, I, I, I totally believe that that happened because obviously he didn't get pushed harder for some reason, and I think we mm-hmm. kind of know now why a little bit at least. <laughs> right, like I've loved his ball so well approach, but maybe he's being helped by being on SmackDown, where like mm-hmm. he's ball so well, but he's botching every other move, so maybe they're kind of cover it up for him um which is weird that we're talking about this too because it's going to come into play on smackdown a little bit and some, something we're going to see um we're putting all these uh teasers out so make sure you listen to the episode guys uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but another thing he told us is that um we had that noble was it noble and ray right noble and eddie eddie Noble and eddie i'm sorry um no, that we love but we we said that it was not it was only lasted a few minutes. Marcus told us that live, that was actually like a good 10 to 12 minute match or something like that. Um, and that it was very good. So what we saw was just kind of, for whatever reason, I don't know why you would cut that down. Um, uh, cause I mean, I usually enjoy SmackDown, but I'm not saying there's anything they couldn't cut. So for whatever reason, they chose to turn that match into like a three minute, like in and out job. So that's a bit odd. Yeah, definitely a weird choice. Um, because like no like we've kind of been going through like Noble's been pretty good one of their better television where and you know Eddie's great uh, so uh, it's kind of weird that they would choose that one to kind of cut down um, I, I almost wonder if that Noble or the Kendrick uh, Hardy match was so hard to cut into pieces because it was so botchedastic mm-hmm. uh, that maybe they wanted to do it there but they really couldn't because they couldn't piece together uh, enough <laughs> that actually looked good. <laughs> Um, to to, to kind of cut it a little bit. So who knows? Yeah, and who knows what they're thinking. And sometimes, like, maybe they wanted them to almost do, like, a semi-dark match for the crowd where it's really more for the crowd's enjoyment, but maybe they didn't have time for them TV. Who knows? I don't know their rationale sometimes. And uh, I believe the other thing Marcus told us is that he had, he had a, um, uh, like, a Mattitude sign I have to see what he, I forgot exactly what he said. Do you remember Logan? You have a better uh, memory than I, me. Uh, he, it said, we've got Mattitude. And yes. somehow mm-hmm. they showed it on TV and it said, Norfolk's got Mattitude. So they even edited his son a little <laughs> bit, apparently. So, um, poor Marcus got the, uh, poor Marcus got the, uh, it's so weird. The job. <laughs> it's so strange that they would do that. Like, that's very weird. Like, like, why are they why are they worried about this detail? Maybe it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, because mm-hmm. it's not even like Norfolk is something that they're like, uh, Norfolk is something that they're super into. Like, you know, it's not like it's MSG or something. Like, oh, yeah. That they not, are, I mean, the scope is more mm-hmm. of a WCW uh, building, I would. I mean, like, that comes to your brain when you think of that arena. Like, that was more of a WCW home. Um, so, they, yeah, that's weird that they pointed that out and like it's not like it's this big metro area that you know a ton of people uh flock to or anything like that so 
Um, sorry, Marcus. I hope you uh, hope you got your lawyer involved. In, uh, <laughs> taking away your free speech. Uh, so I guess so. They did it back in the day. Instead of uh, instead of uh, taking your sign, they just cleaned it up in post. But uh, and he also thought this Matt Matt Hardy pointed to his sign. So I'm very proud of his efforts. And it also makes sense because those are Marcus's initials. So that's true. <laughs> I just um, realized that's that, that that is very true. Um, and I think the only other thing he said is like Kurt Angle had been advertised when they put the tickets on sale, uh, like months beforehand, obviously. And obviously, hurt, Kurt is hurt, and a lot of the fans are pretty pissed that uh, Kurt was not mm-hmm. there. But I mean, he's pretty banged up, so <laughs> I feel like most right. people could probably understand that. Yeah, we'll see on these shows and like go running into the pay per view card that. The the injuries and just like the roster being a little with guys out, it is starting to affect the shows. I think. I mean, they still have all the talent in the world, but you definitely starting to see guys like Taker's not there, Kurt's not there, and it is sort of becoming a bit of a deal. So I could see that um, pissing people off. But yeah, there's a big Nathan Jones void. So uh, there's, there's <laughs> yes, no Nathan Jones to <laughs> come out there and do like three strikes and get out. And get beat up by FBI. Um, but thanks, Marcus, for the live notes. Very interesting. It's something Absolutely. I need to, I'll pay attention to more going forward about SmackDown, seeing if I could maybe see through the seams a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> this bullshit fakery they're pulling. Um, but uh, anyway, so we'll, we have one week left to a backlash. Logan, what are you thinking about the build here? We have not been super high on these shows necessarily, but overall as a build to a pay-per-view, what's your, uh, what's your barometer right now? Um, I mean... These post or these shows after Mania are always kind of a struggle because you're at that you're so high after WrestleMania, just like how awesome WrestleMania is, how good the show was, and the fact that this one was one of the best, uh, it probably hurts it even a little bit more. And like you said, the injuries are starting to pile up a little bit. You're you're missing kind of key guys. Um, I will say in this little build, Cena has emerged as a, a possible guy to mm-hmm. you know kind of reach the next level. And he's getting the title shot here at this uh, pay-per-view. And I think it probably has something to do with the fact that people are out. Um, but on the Raw matches, I've been pretty uninspired. And I feel like Goldberg Rock should be the pull to this pay-per-view. And I just not I have not been uh, super blown away with anything that they've done. I feel like Goldberg is – he hadn't been presented poorly per se, but it just – it doesn't inspire like he's like this big icon. Like I, I, think, I think in a way that – they're kind of doing that because they don't believe it necessarily. Like Vince doesn't believe mm-hmm. it, maybe. Um, so like he's a WCW guy. So uh, I'm going to make him look basic and uh, not look like the monster and cyborg killer that he is. So, um, but yeah, outside of probably the WWE championship match, nothing's really blowing me away. I'd say I, I am looking forward to seeing what uh, Lesnar Cena looks like. Cause I haven't seen mm-hmm. it in a long time. So, I am looking forward to that one. Yeah, same. It's been they've really tried to build on the back of Goldberg Rock. That's obviously supposed to be the draw, but agree that the build's been weird. Um, I don't have any news notes, but there was one thing I read just offhandedly that was like um, something about like the whole the the Goldust interaction that I shit all over. Mm-hmm, that, yeah. <laughs> that was already them. There's some note, and again, this is always like Meltzer's sources or whatever, but. Uh, like that Kevin Dunn said, see, we gave Goldberg more character than he ever did in WCW. So you can kind of see them. It's like getting in their own way. Like, yeah, but look, we humanize. Yeah, but his whole draw is like. Yeah, he's not he's, human. <laughs> yeah, he's like this, you know. So it's like, obviously, they don't get it, get it. And 
Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like if you were somebody who had not watched any of him in WCW and saw him here, you would be like, okay, what's the big deal? Like, I don't get it. Like, I don't think you would understand why he was as big as he was watching this build. So, yeah, it, it hasn't been inspiring for sure. Yeah. Well, they'll attempt to, uh, to push it a bit more. So let's dive in and see what they do. Uh, we'll go to raw. This is going to be from Atlanta. So this is a big city. Uh, seems like a big one. Uh, April 21st, 2003, and we opened up with uh, Ric Flair pacing around kind of nervously with Eric Bischoff. He wants to pick Eric's brain. He said, Eric says he wants to click back. He wants the drama that makes compelling television, but uh, Flair's not happy about it because now it's created all this uh, ruckus between the click. Uh, Really, all this was was just table setting for the show uh, and letting us know that Sean's going to be the special ref in the Booker T uh, title match tonight. And kind of just them using their conversation to lay out uh, this whole click storyline and what's going on and what we have to look forward to tonight and moving towards the pay-per-view. So pretty straightforward stuff. Yeah, pretty basic. Uh, really just uh, pretty much Flair's just kind of chastising Bischoff for uh, decisions that he's made, uh, bringing Nash back and all that and kind of driving that wedge between uh, him and Sean and him and Triple H. So, um, And I, I think – Flair's kind of fearful for maybe he'll maybe he'll get dumped and uh, <laughs> he, he might actually <laughs> right. join up with the click. So uh, maybe there's a little bit of that in there, too. Um, but, yeah, Sean is going to be the guest ref. That's pretty much the whole purpose of this is to make Flair a little bit more pissed and uh, kind of uh, give Triple H a little bit more of a disadvantage uh, than he already had. All right. And we head to our opening match after this, and it's going to be uh, Jericho versus the Hurricane. So Jericho's kind of been a lion. He's kind of almost being presented as a Triple H flunky right now in a way. Which is like, weird. <laughs> yeah. So um, he's going to be facing Hurricane, who's just, again, is kind of semi-feuding with them. It's just a pretty general heel, heel-face dynamic here. Hurricane gets a few flips there are going. Jericho gets him in the walls. Uh Hurricane manages to get out of that. Jericho slows it down with the headlock until Hurricane gets a little flurry. You get your nice uh, couple of Hurricane kicks and flips and uh, kind of fun offense from him. Uh, I thought it was cool. He starts using Jericho's offense against him, which was cool. Like he hits the line salt on Jericho. So that was pretty fun. Jericho gets back to the walls and taps him pretty handily. So um, I thought this was, it was all right. I ended up going two on it. Uh, I did think for these two guys, maybe it's a victim of my own expectations, thinking this could be like a low-key bang and match. But Jericho is kind of working more of a slow heel style. Um, so I was a little disappointed by it, but it wasn't bad by any stretch. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm kind of the opposite of you. I really liked it. I thought Hurricane yeah. came in pretty hot. I uh, thought he used – I like that his cape, cape at the beginning to kind of blind Jericho and nail him with a bunch of flurry mm-hmm. punches. I like that spot. Um, Jericho hits a pretty sick powerbomb reversal at one point. Um, and, and then he leads to, that leads to him locking the walls of Jericho in the first time. Then he works the back kind of the rest of the match. Thought it was really good back and forth opener, which is kind of a rare sight for raw. It's usually like a super long promo or like a really bad, uh, women's match or something like that. Or just like, uh, Stevie Richards versus Jeff Hardy or some, some crap like that. Um, and hurricanes become a heck of a TV worker. I feel like he's been pretty good in the spots that they've put him in so i actually went two and three quarters on it i, I really liked it yeah very possible i'm underrating it again probably a victim of my own expectation if there's anybody else in here i might um, <laughs> give it i'd probably go higher but i was thinking like oh man jericho hurricane this could be like a little hidden gem in the big in, cruiserweight fan i am apparently <laughs> no i'm with you I, I, but uh 
Yeah, and I guess it's Jericho's thing. He's got to work the heel style. But, uh, yeah, he wins pretty handily. It felt like kind of a tune-up match for Jericho to keep him fresh in our brains uh, for the for the match of Backlash. But uh, Flair comes in after the match. He throws a cheap shot in, uh, throws Hurricane around, locks him in the figure four. So uh, he gets his ass kicked uh, by Flair. Just, to, again, trying to put over this alliance between um, the – the uh, reduced numbers of evolution in Chris Jericho here. So again, something I'm going to say, say, but pretty straightforward stuff in the post match main event anywhere in the country, Ric Flair versus hurricane. So looking right. forward to that one eventually. <laughs> right. All right. Rock is here. He's fired up. He's in the stretch Hummer, just a completely obnoxious vehicle. Um, and he says he's ready for the rock concert too. He's been beating pie all day. I wonder if the Atlanta pie is better than the, um, the uh, Virginia pie or the uh, the Richmond pie, I guess we'll find we'll find out. But Rock is in the building, and then we head to the ring for the Rodney Mac, uh, as Teddy Long calls it, the Rodney Mac White Boy Challenge. So what this entails is that Rodney Mac is will face any white boy, and he promises to beat them in five minutes. Um, so this is kind of a very like classic beat the clock kind of squash a jobber thing. And we get an actual, you don't get this very often in this era, but we get an actual jobber that they don't even give his name. Uh, my research tell me he was one Sean Evans. I don't know if he, it did not, from my brief research, it did not look like he went on to have a very uh, decorated career there, Logan. I don't know if you found anything different or even bothered to look up his name. I, I saw Evans on the back of his tights, so I just called him Evans, and uh, that, that was as far as I went. I did not do any research, so. Well, we went further than Coach and King because they did not. They said, uh, Coach said something like, uh, I don't even know this guy's name. Yeah, I, was like, one of, I, was like, I couldn't remember which one it was, but actively said, oh, yeah, we don't know who this guy is, so well, screw it. <laughs> so it's it's a lot of Rodney doing like corner clotheslines to this guy um, and then ends up crushing with a, a running power slam with about three minutes to spare. So he takes about two minutes to squash this dude. Um Meanwhile, in commentary, uh, Teddy's going through all this stuff and he's kind of like, you know, going back and forth with King saying how, uh, you know, going back to his comments about knowing the mayor and then like saying, well, if he's your friend, why'd you run against him? And he said, well, he's my friend now. So just being very antagonistic. Then he turns on coach and coach is constantly accusing him throughout. I mean, call it the white boy challenge. Isn't that racism? So that was kind (laughs) of, you know, that was a whole thing. But the coach (laughs) stuff was kind of cringe there. But Overall, I don't mind this concept. Like, to me, I don't think this is the worst way to get, you know, there's worse ways they could get Rodney Mack over. And he's winning the match. He's getting the spotlight on him. It's kind of, they're putting the spotlight on Teddy's, you know, faction that he's building here. It's fun to kind of watch Teddy pick at King and coach and have them kind of um, squirm a little bit. I went one on the match, but overall, I didn't, I actually did not mind this as a device to kind of build Rodney Mack. No, yeah, it's definitely a good good way to build him up, uh, show him crushing guys. Um, he can do it for a little while, uh, get some wins under his belt, show show how uh, devastating and powerful he can be, and then obviously you need to kind of build him from there and have him face like real name opponents. But definitely a good way to start it. Um, and yeah, just the commentary back and forth between the guys was uh, somewhat uncomfortable, but you know it's just <laughs> it's just how it was. Uh, that's just the times, I guess. Um, and then uh, Rock arriving before the sh- uh, the match in the least fuel efficient car in the history of cars, <laughs> which is a Hummer limo. So, um, yeah, I can't imagine that gets much miles to the gallon. So, 
Um, but yeah, I, I'm assuming that Atlanta Pie was pretty good if he was singing so much about <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, I went one on the White Boy Challenge um, because Rodney Mack actually absolutely crushed him with some clotheslines and that big power slam. So not bad. Yeah, I didn't mind the whole thing because you got mm-hmm. you're starting to see the whole package here. So yeah. All right, we head backstage. You see some tension here between Sean and Booker T. Uh, Booker T says that uh, the shot that he gave to Sean last week was just a receipt, basically, for the super kick that uh, Sean gave him last summer when he was still part of the uh, ill-fated NWO, which that was a good callback. Like, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. kind of showed his motivation, and uh, it does make sense. At least it's like addressing like Booker T is not just like forgiving him for that bullshit, making <laughs> him look like a fool. So, uh, but anyway, Booker says that he wants uh, Sean to do his job and call it down the middle. So, just a quick little segment to. Kind of show what's going on there and maybe make you think that Sean's not going to screw Booker, that they've kind of, you know, patched things up or whatever and just building the whole Sean is ref drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's good to show a little bit of tension, but it also shows that they somewhat trust each other and uh, Booker doesn't want him to favor him in the match. He wants him to be fair and call down the middle. If Booker loses, Booker loses. If he wins, he wins. So uh, not a bad segment, um, but definitely teases that little bit of maybe dissension from their past encounters. All right, so in our next segment, I think Eric watched the uh, coach's commentary in the other match and said, mm, look, if that made you uncomfortable, oh hold my beer. Because, uh, all right, we get the return of Lita here, who I'm, I'm guessing we haven't seen in a while. Could have been one of her many injuries. I think it was her neck as mm-hmm. usual. Um, yeah. She tells us that she can't return yet, but it's been too long since she's been here. Um, but she'll be cleared, I think, in like a couple months or something. But she was quickly interrupted by Bischoff. Um, I like the quick dig he gets at JR saying, like, uh, while I'm here, I just want to say, Coach, you're doing an awesome job. You're doing way better than JR ever did. So that was pretty good. Um, <laughs> but then he starts getting real um, sleazy. He says that uh, Lita has talent, but talent that we haven't seen. And he wants her to expose the talent. Um, right now, she can't wrestle. So really, in his eyes, she's worthless. But what she could do is be Ross Tory. And uh, Lita says that it's awesome that Tori did Playboy, and maybe one day she'll decide to do it. But if she does, it'll be her decision, and she's not going to be forced by her boss. Eric Super Scuzzy continues that and says that, well, he wants a private audition. Uh, just being real creepy uh, boss uh, advances. And it makes it even weirder because it's not even like a backstage segment. He's like in the middle of the ring on the mic doing it in front of like thousands of people. And he's like uh, stroking her hair and sniffing her yeah. hair. Like, ugh. Uh, he, she tells him to go to hell and she walks out. Eric says, screams, you don't walk out on me. You are fired. So yeah, a very, very poorly aged segment considering, um, you know, all the stuff that's come out in general, like in, uh, entertainment and more recently, the things that have come out within WWE, uh, with Vince McMahon. So this stuff is just, uh, not something they probably want. I think if they, they would probably rather us not see this now, but, and also the bigger, another issue with this, I just don't think it fits Eric's character. This has not really been his, his deal. Like he, it's kind of like, he's doing like a great value Vince impression here. And it comes off as just, it doesn't, it's not entertaining with him because he's not as much of a cartoon character as Vince. Um, so yeah, it just, it seems very out of character for him. Yeah, he was never presented that way in WCW. He was more like the, I have more money than you kind of mm-hmm. prick instead of the like creepy dickhead uh, stalker kind of <laughs> whatever he was in this mm-hmm. segment. Um, 
but yeah, I was a this and this was way too long. I, I don't know mm-hmm. the exact times or anything like that, but it, it felt like it went on forever. And Lita's not the strongest talker to begin with, so I don't know that she was particularly the person. Uh, I mean, obviously they want to show her face that she's about to be back, that she's coming back from. Yeah, I think it was the neck injury from the TV show or whatever uh, that she was on like the previous year. Um, yes. So, but yeah, it's just weird, weird placement. It, I, I don't particularly think this goes anywhere. So it's like, I think it's more just to show that like Bischoff's power hungry and will fire anybody at will. I mm-hmm. think that's kind of what's been building over the last few weeks with Austin and the JR and now Lita. So uh, I do think that leads somewhere, but uh, Lita being thrown in this segment is just strange. Yeah, they're just. I feel like they'd be a little too heavy-handed with Erica lately. Like, there's. Yeah. I feel like they're trying to shove down our throat. Like, do every possible heel thing they could do, and I think just at this time they just kind of get the rocks off on trying to be like scandalous or whatever. So I think that's yeah. part of it. But they're doing such a good job, and he's most entertaining when he is being like more of that, you know, like slick leather jacket kind of rich guy, like you were talking about. Like, I think that's when he's most entertaining like the dig at jr like just like a dickhead boss but not like a lecherous boss like this (laughs) it was yeah it was not not his finest work all right all right we head back to triple h so again building uh this whole drama with the click in the main event he said he doesn't care about booker t so again always making booker look like a real threat looking strong um just doesn't like sean being the ref um and Flair says that he wants some insurance. So again, they're just kind of just in case you thought Booker, this whole Booker T thing wasn't just throwing him out there. So he's kind of backdrop for the click stuff. Triple H pretty much tells us outright he doesn't care about Booker T. Um, he's not a threat. He's only worried about Sean. So mm-hmm. there you go. And even they kind of tease that they're going to get some help from somebody else. So uh, and we we all know who that that person may be. So uh, yeah, definitely definitely backdrop for sure. Um, definitely seems like the third most important man on his team uh, come Sunday. All right. All right. We continue on now. We'll have a tag match. Uh, we're going to have the team of Scott Steiner and tests who are being thrown together here to face the um, uh, three minute warning. We've plummeted black down the <laughs> earth here. They don't even get an entrance. Uh, so just to show you how far they've come uh, since I started the podcast, uh, they're nothing, a nothing team at this point. Uh, Kind of random throwing Steiner and Tess together, but we'll see where they're going with this. And, of course, we have the Winston on commentary as he yeah. has a semi-feud, whatever you want to call it, after the debate with Scott Steiner. It's an amazing <laughs> phrase to say. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, we get some uh, – we get three-minute warning come in. They get some splashes early on. Uh they put Scott Steiner. I could not believe that Steiner took that like surfboard move that uh, I forget if it was Jamal or Rosie to put him in, but I like could not believe in this match. Like he was willing to take that move where it was like a surfboard where like they jammed their knees into his back, but like I was worried he would not get up after. I mean, it was only like three seconds, but I was like, oh my God, he might not move after that. But uh, <laughs> Tess doing absolutely nothing here. Uh, three minute warning, missed the splash. Tess finally gets in, hits some clotheslines, kind of gets his test uh, five moves of doom here, the side slam. Rico cuts Tess off because Rico's still alive. Uh, he cuts Tess off, knocks Stacy off the apron. Steiner is the one that comes to her aid. Uh, very great value mega powers here. Test mm. cleans house, but he's Government distracted by <laughs> yeah, yeah, great value is generous. Uh, <laughs> Test cleans house, but he's distracted by uh, Stacy embracing Big Papa Pump. 
Uh, Steiner actually tags himself in to make Tess look even more like a goob, and then he gets the win uh, over a three-minute warning. The match was whatever. I mean, three-minute warning come off as, I mean, they just feel like nothing at this point. They do a few splashes, but um, they're kind of dead weight at this point. They're just in here as fodder for the, and the match is a backdrop for all this drama building to, uh, you know, is Stacy going to embrace Steiner because Test has been beating this beat too much to other women. So, uh, match, we'll, we'll get to the post-match after, uh, but star and a half of the match. Definitely not a fantastic tag match. Yeah, I, I went two on it. I, I liked it a little bit more than you do, but I agree with uh, most of your sentiments. Um, Lawler makes a horrendously bad Chinese racial joke at the beginning of this match. I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was <laughs> just so bad. Um, but uh, I, I was shocked at how much three-minute warning kind of dominated the first part of this mm-hmm. match. Um, like like you said, they kind of worked over Steiner pretty good for a good bit, and then Tess finally gets tagged in. And obviously starts kind of taking it to the big guys with his offense, kind of like you said. Um, I felt like once Stacy kind of got kicked by Rico, um, the match started to fall apart a little bit. It got kind of a mm-hmm. little, little bit more uh, discombobulated uh, at the end with Tess kind of having to worry what Steiner's doing with Stacy and all that. Um, I thought the match was solid considering who the competitors involved are because none of these guys have inspired too much. And three-minute warning, like you said, has fallen completely off the face of the earth at this point. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought it was pretty solid co- considering who was in it, but uh, it wasn't anything inspiring at the same time. Yeah, the test floor is okay. And, I mean, Steiner didn't look horrible in this. This yeah. is much more speed. Um, all right, so – after all this, we had backstage. Tess confronts him uh, about this whole debacle. Um, the line that got to me is he's like, he's such a cheese ball. He said, you better think twice before you, uh, before you start going after Stacy, pal. Like, he's such a goober. Um, uh, Stacy steps in for him and actually tells Steiner what Tess means to say is thanks. So we kind of know where this she is going. Andrew. Andrew. I thought that was real special. Oh, Andrew Tess Martin, of course. (laughs) She says what Andrew meant to say was thank you. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, just Tess talking to his beaver teeth pretty much. (laughs) Right. So um, it definitely seems as if Stacy maybe um, have eyes for Steiner after this. Mm -hmm. Lustful eyes. <laughs> all right. Uh all right. We had the big Kev. He's with Eric Bischoff talking about uh what's going on. He says he was here to be with his pals, man. So we're getting much more uh mellow big Kev for you. Mm. Uh much yeah. more good, good uh, much more art. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah, good 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 from last week when we got very yelly and over overly yeah. angry uh Nash, so well, Eric says that things change, you know, he didn't know that this was going to happen, that there would be all this strife. And Eric says that he needs to pick a side. Uh, Nash says, don't try to con me, Eric. I'll pick my side. Um, so I guess he's saying he's going to bet on himself or whatever. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if they're trying to build this as like interesting, but I, I can't say I'm super invested in seeing whose side he's going to pick because. It seems pretty obvious. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't know. Just the this whole drama of the click stuff since Kevin Nash has shown up is yet to hook me. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, it's like, why don't don't go ahead and book the six man? Like, I know you have to do it at some point, but like, 
you booked the six man like immediately after he debuted. So like <laughs> obviously he's not going to go with Triple H, or if he does, he's not going to do it till the pay per view. So uh, if you're making him choose now, I mean obviously he's going to choose the team that he's going to be teaming with on Sunday. <laughs> so right. who knows? Yeah, it's yeah. You just know like what's he going to do? Team with Triple H? Like join Evolution? No, I don't know, but. Yeah, not the most engaging. All right, yeah, Rock is a big. For, they're already hurting for challengers for him anyway. So like, you're not going to take the one guy, new guy you just brought in to possibly not face him. So. Right, and you know they're gonna, you know, Nash is going to get a spot, right? So. Yeah. All right, Rock is a big surprise. That's the Rock concert too. Uh, he comes out, got his Garth Brooks microphone on. Uh, <laughs> He, uh, Rock uh, gets Lillian to touch on his bicep. I always like to that Lillian seems is kind of into it. She's like, oh, this is, this is a nice arm. Uh, King says that Co- this was a good King line. This was like vintage good, like mid-90s King, like cheese ball ice. His coach thinks Fleetwood Mac is a burger. Which is a good one. Um, Rock starts trolling the fans, asking if they came to see Goldberg. Of course they did. And he says, well, since I... Uh, he is in Georgia in Atlanta. He's going to sing uh, Goldberg on my mind rather than Georgia on my mind. Um, some good, I don't know if he had a few, but he definitely, uh, uh, he says, uh, <laughs> full of inbred Hicks. Uh, <laughs> uh, did, you, did you have any other good uh, good ones from this one, Logan? No, that was the big one. that. Uh, yeah, uh, full of inbred. He says something about Goldberg being a whisker biscuit, so that always obviously right. pops me, but the inbred Hicks was the... A uh, big line I picked from that one. Right. The the best part about these, I would say the songs are maybe not quite as memorable as before, but I did like that he went with the theme of all picking two Georgia based songs. So Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> going right after Chad with this. Uh, <laughs> Rock says that he insisted that Goldberg come to see this, uh, even though Goldberg's obviously afraid of him, and so he's gonna invite him out. We see the pyro go off, the crowd is excited, but it's actually not Goldberg, it is Dwayne Gill, Gilberg, the return of Gilberg, uh, the mannerisms of Gilberg always killed me. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> yes. like he's so good at doing all the tongue stuff. Um, he asks, uh, Rock asks Gilberg or Goldberg, according to Rock, uh, if he has anything to say. Gilberg just yells incoherently into the mic, which got me. <laughs> and, then Rock goes, and Rock goes, "Oh, look at this! You spit on the mic! Oh God!" <laughs> so good. Um, so with that, he decides he's going to perform his second song of the evening for uh, Goldberg, and that's going to be The Rock Went Down to Georgia. And so it's a lot of, you know, roasting Goldberg and, of course, ro- roasting Georgia. He says something about the Braves choking. Goldberg's going to choke just like the Braves. It's more of him just reading this. But the, the highlight for me was um, as he's doing it, he gets Goldberg to do like a jig. <laughs> Which is, uh, just Google this. I can't do it justice, but um, Gilbert might be the MVP of this whole segment. He's so good. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> uh, and then I like like uh, delusional like Hollywood rock. He starts cutting a promo to Gil. Like I feel like he's believing himself at this point because he just starts talking to him like he's the real Goldberg. He's like, look, let me tell you something, Goldberg. You know you can't beat me. <laughs> like He's like, I feel like he's lost kayfabe here and he thinks he's talking to Goldberg. Like, I don't know. Um but before we get to the the next portion of this, any thoughts on this overall? Um, I, I thought it was. It's obviously not as good as the first one, but The Rock is super charismatic, has the crowd in the palm of his hands the whole time. So I mean, I'm never going to complain on on a Rock segment. Uh, it did go a tad long. 
Um, mm-hmm. And obvious and i i'm gonna i'm not gonna lie to the audience i did not watch the uh part with the songs in it so i watched the network mm-hmm. version or the peacock version and it doesn't have the songs on it and jake let me know that there was a daily motion video that had the songs on it so i was like why did he not sing if he was gonna have a concert so right. i was very confused um but uh yeah it, it, it was a little long um and mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think you've got it uh, down with the delusional thing. I think he like makes himself believe that uh, this this guy is actually Goldberg uh, before the actual Goldberg emerges in the uh, the uh, what what kind of car did they say it was like a, I can't a Barracuda. Barracuda Barracuda that's what it was so yeah, yes. yeah but yeah it was a little long but um, I, I'm never gonna complain about hearing the rock talk and yeah. crack jokes so. Yeah, if you do watch this, seek out the uh, the full version on the because it's very off putting. If you because I kind of did the same thing, I was like, okay, I got to get the because it's very weird. Like it, it throws off the whole rhythm of the segment if you don't have the songs because like you just will randomly it makes him seem even more insane because he just like says he's gonna do. He's like, all right, and he just moves on. He's like, we yeah, know what I'm the songs, but he just never starts singing, and I'm like, what what is going on? <laughs> Very odd, and like you could buy it because he's so like coked out. Yeah. <laughs> he's like <laughs> such a, a maniac that you think maybe he just forgot or something. But um, I love the Goldberg stuff. He's super entertaining. But yeah. all right, let's see. Let's see Goldberg's response. So, like you said, um, we see that the Barracuda has um, has arrived and is actually the real Goldberg. Rock is slack jawed throughout this whole run. Just a great reaction to all these. <laughs> like whenever they cut back to him, uh, but he says he wants security. He starts rambling. His rambling is always good when he starts to get nervous. He shifts the blame to Gilberg. He's like, all right, you're in trouble, man. You shouldn't have done all this, <laughs> which is great. Uh, uh, but then he, like, that's what I mean. Like, he's so, like, talking on both sides because then he immediately pivots and says, you know what? Don't worry about it. I'll protect you. Like, he goes from blaming. It's like he doesn't know what to do. Like, it's like he does that, realizes he looks like a pussy, and then, like, goes back on it to make himself look better. Like, it's like, look, you're in trouble. Just kidding. I'll protect you. Uh but the, the pyro goes off. Here's Goldberg. I'm glad we get the pyro. I was very excited to get that at least. Mm. Um, then he goes right back to throwing Goldberg under the bus. Now that he sees Goldberg's coming to the ring. Um, Goldberg runs right through the security. So um, I thought it was a good look. Anytime Goldberg's just running through. Randos is always good. Rock hightails it up the ramp. Uh, Goldberg just taking the security out. Um and I thought this was an improvement, definitely, from what we saw last week. Uh, anything that shows Goldberg being more physical is to his, um, is you know, to his benefit. Goldberg is Gilberg is the last in line, but Rock, to his word, goes in and protects Goldberg and hits the rock bottom. Um, and I think it accomplished. It's not over yet. Uh, so let me just finish off. So Goldberg is still in pursuit here. He follows. He recovers from the rock bottom. Follows Rock up the ramp slowly. Heads for the Hummer. He goes to get in the Barracuda, and it stalls. I guess he <laughs> dropped the transmission or something. Um, uh, so he takes off on foot, and then like a cartoon character, Rock pops out from behind the wall, and we find out that Rock actually never left in the Hummer. And we leave at this point, um, and that's how we end this portion of this. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, the Rock stuff's entertaining. I think it is accomplishing I think they've gone this route with it in that instead of making this like an icon versus icon match, they've done more like rock, just this shitty little heel and you want to see Goldberg destroy him. And so I think the more you see rock act like an asshole and Goldberg, 
anything to show Goldberg being physical and that he can destroy Rock when he gets him, I think is good. And so I think more than any of the other build, they at least accomplished that with this segment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my only critique would be like they kind of mm-hmm. make Go- uh, Goldberg look dumb by like letting the Rock catch him with the Rock bottom. But I mean, right. that's you know a nitpick, a little small nitpick. But I do wish I do wish he could have creamed uh, Goldberg uh, with a spear mm-hmm. or something. Uh, I feel like Goldberg getting away uh, uh, probably wasn't the be- the best thing there. I, I would have liked to have seen him at least spear him or something, but. Uh, maybe that'll happen down the road. We'll see. Um, but yeah, makes the rock look super smart, uh, super shitty, um, escaping and not getting, not getting what was coming to him. So, uh, but like you said, we're, we are not done, uh, with this for the night. So, yeah, I think Goldberg played it off. Okay. With the car stalling. I mean, it could have been much more disastrous, Mm -hmm. but so good for him, but yeah, we'll see more of them in a minute. But again, I didn't think this was the greatest thing ever. Um, and maybe, again, not the route I would go with this feud, but I do think it's probably some of the better stuff they've done, which is not a high bar, <laughs> uh, as we've Yeah, covered. it's definitely better than what they've been doing, for sure. Right. All right, so now we head for, uh, it's going to be Trish and Spike versus the Dudleys. Uh, and this is announced by Morley, who announces um, their opponent, and he also tells us that the Dudleys are going to be number one contenders for the tag titles at Backlash. Uh, and so this is another instance of like Morley trying to see what the Dudleys they're doing as like a test. Like, what are the Dudleys willing to do? Like, will they beat up Trish, etc.? Spike gets absolutely wrecked by a power bomb, like crushed. Like it looked like his head was going to cave in. Oh my God. Spike always good for one gnarly bump, but uh, Morley tells them to get Trish to kind of prove their loyalty. Bubba knees Trish, Trisha viciously here. Um, I, I didn't really understand using Trish for this. Like, I don't think she, like, they've done such a good job of positioning her as, like, this, you know, badass and stuff lately, like, you know, and being scrappy. Now she's just kind of generic, like, damsel in distress kind of. I thought that was a little bit weird. Like, she didn't even really try and fight out of it. I know they weren't really doing that at this time, but I don't know. Why not throw any other sympathetic, like, any woman you put here would be, is what they're going for. So I don't know why you use Trish, but Devon's reluctant. He tells Bubba to get his own table. And dirt wise, they're arguing about that. Uh, Morley gets the table, but then Kane and RVD come to uh, wipe them out and uh, save Trish. Just, uh, just pretty, again, pretty straightforward stuff. Trying to give some juice to the tag match that they literally have just kind of pulled out of their ass here. Um, it's been built a little bit, but it, this whole feud is stale. But then to make sure uh, we get a two for one, because then they get Jazz to come in and toss Trish to build that. So they're trying to make sure they touch all the bases, even if they don't do it in the most interesting ways here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the problem is they don't have another face uh, girl mm-hmm. that's not like Ivory or somebody that right. nobody cares about. So right. I think Trish is the only face that they have because you think Jazz, Molly, uh, Victoria mm-hmm. are all heels. So it doesn't. You know, it doesn't fit the narrative or whatever. So I think they had to had to pick Trish, right? So, um, which is probably more of an indictment on the on the roster than of anything. Um, yeah, this was just an excuse to kind of show if Devon was loyal to the administration, which obviously shows that he wasn't because he didn't want to attack. Uh, he did, it didn't want to attack Trish. I think he didn't have much. Uh, he, he didn't mind uh, going going after Spike uh, if it came to it. Um, but like you said, the tag champs come and save her uh, before she gets wrecked too too much further. Um, and then Jazz, I, I don't know what Jazz calls that move, but 
Beth Phoenix calls it the glam slam, but the glam slam mm-hmm. on the table was pretty because uh, it wasn't folded out. It was it was flat on the mat. So yeah. She slams are pretty freaking hard on that. So I, I thought that was a pretty good, pretty good spot. Um, but yeah, just I, I don't know. This is just this isn't a go home kind of segment, you know, Um this isn't like a show that should be on a go home go home show for me. So I I, I don't know. It's just kind of, yeah. I mean, the jazz part of it probably could have been in there, but how that how they got there probably not the best. Yeah, and like, I guess we're supposed to believe that like maybe Kane and RVD are in trouble because Morley might get involved. But like to me, Kane and RVD are a much better team, and they're getting along. Where the Dudleys are like going through all this bullshit, so like mm-hmm. I don't really see them as a threat, but I guess I'm supposed to think like Morley may get involved, but then Morley's kind of lame, so I don't want him to get involved because I'm over <laughs> it. So yeah, all right, all right. The Rock is ready for his encore, so he's letting us know that. Uh, <laughs> so we see uh, before that, we see uh, Nash and Triple H talking in the stairs. So more. Uh, negotiations happen. We don't know if this is positive or negative, Logan. So we <laughs> sure you don't turn that dial. I know you're so concerned. I'm, I'm, I'm worried. I'm very worried. <laughs> All right. But um, Goldberg is back. He starts beating up the rock, but uh, Christian comes uh, and saves. He eats another pretty vicious spear, maybe down the level of the other one, but uh, still a pretty good spear. Uh, rock comes in and hit, starts hitting Goldberg with a chair, hits him a nasty one right to the side of the head. I mm-hmm. thought it was a vicious one. Uh, but, and so rock kind of stands tall, uh, over all this. So again, like I said earlier, this is all a bit disjointed and like doing it in two segments like this and all this bullshit is like a little bit, it's a lot, but it's better than what they've been doing. It's just, I mean, you kind of have to buy into the idea that they're going more with like rock in this comeuppance rather than Goldberg being like this dominating monster. So I guess they're trying to sell us on we want like uh, you know shitty little rock to get beaten up by Goldberg at the pay per view. So we'll see if it plays out that way. Yeah, as I say, they're presenting more that like Rock's gonna get his ass kicked more than like this. It's this great superstar mm-hmm. that was in that's been in WWF for all the WWF WWE all this time, and this powerhouse monster awesome guy that was in WCW for for, for forever. So. Um, like they probably should, but it's obviously just to show that uh, Goldberg's uh, – they're going to show that Goldberg's a killer and will take out mm-hmm. Rock uh, with mostly relative ease uh, at the pay-per-view and uh, kind of dispose of him. So um, it's a way to go. Maybe not the best way to go, but it's, right. it's, it's certainly a way that you can go with this. And it, it I think it works to a point uh, once we get there. Right. You would think maybe like, you know, mention how when he was Atlanta in Atlanta before he like – you know, sold out the Georgia Dome and all that, and it's like this huge moment. You know, maybe mention that, but what do, what do I know? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> anyway, they don't but, want to uh, yeah. the accolades mm-hmm. now. <laughs> right, we want to. We wouldn't make it seem. We don't want to mention that WCW uh, sold out the Georgia Dome. So tough spot. All right, uh, but this is the point of the show, and I think you feel it with the Rock stuff too. It feels like they're trying to stretch the show out because. It's like <laughs> the rock stuff alone between both parts is like 30 minutes, probably. Like, it just feels like they're trying to stretch all this material out to this two hour show when they really don't have two hours of material or an hour and a half or whatever. Yeah, and you could convince me that that Bischoff segment was like 45 minutes, and I believe. Right. <laughs> All right, we get uh, the run down the backlash card, but we'll go over that when we get to SmackDown. We have our final card. 
We get one last meeting, uh, click me, between Triple H and Shawn Michaels here before we head to our main event, which is, of course, going to be Booker T getting his rematch for the WWE title, or, or I guess the world title, not the WWE title. Uh, and we'll see if he can do it. I'm thinking probably not, based on the circumstances. We get a strike fest to start. Booker T takes advantage. We get some nice rage from Booker. Uh, right here. And I thought he was really good at that through this whole thing. Like, despite him kind of feeling like an afterthought, I think he comes in here looking like he's right up. Like, at least he makes his believe that he can win. Uh, Jericho's down the ringside for some uh, Triple H support. Triple H takes over the sleeper here. We go into methodical Triple H Charlie race mode for a little while. Um, so just kind of like some slow methodical offense, another sleeper here. Um, Booker T gets a few shots, starts to recover. hits a nice heel kick. Um, coach is trying his best to give us a JR impression and get us behind Booker T here. Uh, he hits a suplex, gets up top, hits a drop kick, but he whiffs on the scissors kick. Uh, Booker T, uh, Triple H puts him in the pedigree. Booker T reverses that. Hits a uh, scissors kick on Triple H. And I'd probably put it more on Triple H, but it didn't look too great. I didn't find he sold it very well. Um, it looked a little janky. Everyone now is on the apron, the delay, and that gives Triple H a chance to kick out of the scissors kick. Triple H pushes Sean into Booker on the ropes. Uh, kind of a funny moment among all this is like Sean. He has like the stripper pants on, like the button down, like oh, athletic. Yeah. <laughs> I always called them uh, my generation. Pants. <laughs> I always call him the uh, party boy because the ones that, uh, what's yep. his name on Jackass would wear when he did the party boy thing. But anyway, he has to like rebutton his pants here, but uh, flares back on the apron. Uh, Booker hits another scissors kick, but uh, Jericho comes in, sneaks the belt shot. Things are falling apart. Sean doesn't count when he sees the belt because he knows that something uh, nefarious has happened. He nails Flair. Uh, he hits the sweet chin music on Triple H. Uh, Flair, uh, he th Booker T gets on for the count, but Flair and Jericho have to come and break up the count. Nash heads down, walking very slowly, hoping his legs hold up down the ramp. <laughs> so he just have a repeat of last time. And at this point, it just kind of, I mean, Nash doesn't really pick a side, uh, per se, but, uh, Triple H kind of goes after him. It kind of ends up in a big chaotic thing. No contest. Booker T does not win the title. Shocker. But, uh. Yeah, it just kind of ends on just a big scrum between all these guys that are going to be in the six-man. And to no shock to anyone, Triple H is not on Kevin Nash's side, which no one would expect him to be. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, But the match itself, definitely not the epic I think they were going for. It was just really to build the six-man. Booker was just kind of uh, you know, a reason to throw them together and do all the schmozzy stuff at the end. I do think the match was okay, uh, mostly on Booker T's kind of fire because I thought he did have some good aggression in this and did look very motivated like he thought he had a shot. So I went two and three quarter. But, uh, yeah, just a lot of bullshit at the end to build a six-man match. Yeah, I, I went two and a half on it. Um, yeah, outside of that uh, opening flurry from Booker and maybe a couple of flurries there at the end, it was pretty nondescript. I'd say not too many exciting spots from Triple H, which is not shocking at all. But um, uh, it, 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 I felt like the match was more about everyone else than the two competitors that were in the ring in the match. Uh, I feel like it was more about Sean mm -hmm. kind of causing chaos and uh, Flair and Jericho, obviously, and then Nash at the end. Um but obviously Triple H is kind of tired of waiting on Nash, so he chose for Nash. So Nash will obviously be his enemy and not his friend. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was pretty pretty bland. Uh, I think the work was good, but I just don't think that they really pulled anything out of the hat that was too exciting. 
Um, I do I do think they did a good job of keeping uh, Booker in your mind as a possible chance that he may win. I, I mean, obviously, I don't think they're going to give him the title uh, six days before a pay-per-view. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I did I did somewhat enjoy it, but I also felt like it was kind of just meh throughout uh, for the most part. Yep. Yeah, kind of how I felt about the whole show as we kind of wrap it up. Just felt like another kind of tepid episode. Maybe not as like actively bad as kind of the last one, but I still want a four out of ten. I feel like it's below average. It felt very bloated, like they're like we said, trying to stretch things out to fill out the show, and just none of the stuff going into this. I mean, I think they did a, a bit better on Rock Goldberg this week, but they didn't do a whole lot to get me invested in the six man match. And I mean, that's pretty much. The two only two things uh, Raw's really got going for it as far as this pay per view card, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I started thinking I was watching like an impact before a, a pay per view because they're, they're really mm-hmm. bad at the go homes, so uh, this kind of felt right. like we were on a, a highway into the impact zone episode because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, I mean, if you look at it as a standalone Raw, yeah, four probably sounds about right, but as far as it's the fact that it's the go home Raw. Probably would score a little lower, but I'll I'll stick with four like you. Right. I think it was pretty nondescript, but had a couple of solid matches. Right. It's like they want us to make sure we saw everybody, but nobody really did anything too interesting. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. See if SmackDown can fare better here. Um, we'll head to Nashville. Um, Scott Shifflett Country for um, <laughs> the uh, uh, April 24, 2003 SmackDown. Cena opens the show. Uh he goes out for an in-ring promo. He puts over his path to the title shot. He calls himself the Doctor of Thugonomics, which um, I think he was just starting to say it at this point. I think he's mentioned a few times, but he's really starting to push that. He's got the song now. Um, but anyway, he says that he has some footage that will expose Brock and uh, his lack of uh, respect. Um, and then cue Rhino to come out because that's going to be seen as opponent for this opening match. But uh, anything on the promo, Logan, before we get to the match? Yeah, I mean, it, it was just kind of he was running through all the guys that he defeated uh, throughout the tournament, kind of putting himself over like uh, I beat this guy, this guy, and this guy, all superstars. Um, and like you said, he's talking about the footage um, that will expose Lesnar for who he really is. And I, I I mentioned this to you in the chat, but a young Justin Roberts actually introduced John Cena here, so yeah. he hasn't quite built up to the you know where he carries out the John really long, but uh, he'll get there eventually. <laughs> <laughs> right so um yeah but i thought he's good you can obviously tell i mean obviously with all the rap stuff but even with this i thought it's a little different because a lot of the rapping stuff is like obviously he's got that in his head before he goes out but this is more of him cutting a promo like he's good on the mic like yeah. he has good delivery especially for a younger guy like he doesn't fumble over his words much he speaks confidently mm-hmm. like you kind of buy him so like i'd say he's ahead of the curb for yeah. a guy you know that young but uh, anyway, Rhino's pissed, so he comes down at Cena. Uh, but following the Cena MO, like uh, this match, like he has a guy who's more powerful than him. The guy comes in hot, but Cena's kind of scrappy. Like um, Rhino's like kicking his ass, but then Cena like hits him with like a baseball slide, knocks Rhino out the ring, um, kind of gives himself a breather. So just kind of continuing to build that as Cena's sort of entering character, I thought was pretty good. Rhino comes back with a nice butterfly suplex, uh, spine buster. He's getting ready for the gore. But of course, again, Cena's always scrappy. So he cuts it off with a knee, works into uh, 
and works himself into a roll-up, or at least the best roll-up you could possibly do with Rhino, and steals the win there. So, because uh, Rhino is a very hard man to fold up, a very non-unfoldable man. Rhino, um, the uh, the uh, human uh, what was refrigerator. It? Yeah, human refrigerator. The uh, what was it? I'm trying to remember the the Tim one on roller skates. Oh, the, uh, yeah, the fucking pregnant roller skater, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I don't um, think but quite uh, pregnant point, but he may be a roller skate at least. Right, uh, first trimester roller skate. Um, <laughs> but a good tune-up match for Cena, and I like that they did use this match like with the finish um, to show that he could steal a match from a power guy, like a guy much bigger than him. That maybe that's something he could pull out against Brock. So I thought that was a pretty good thing to get over. So end up going two on it. Not the most amazing match, but I thought it um, accomplished its goal well. Yeah, I got you. Uh, I went two and a half on it, a little higher, but um, I thought it was another solid Cena match. Cena's looked good this whole build. Um, I think we've given him MVP the last two episodes, so um, obviously he's hitting with us uh, for the most part. That is a good little physical power match between these two guys. Uh, the ending, like you said, was a little botched, but like, how how does one roll up Rhino at this point? Um, but I, I think him winning and how he won made him look cunning. Uh, and resilient, and uh, it was a good way to go into the pay-per-view if uh, this was the last we saw of him, but it is not. So, but uh, I, I thought I thought it was a pretty good uh, Cena showcase once again. Right, it's a it's a cool dynamic to have going on now because he talks all this shit, but then like now he's starting to back it up a little bit in the ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like and it not all just by cheating with the chain either, which is good. Mm-hmm. All right, Piper and O'Hare are here, and they're just being general assholes backstage, uh, making comments to people. And we also hear that Mr. America is coming. So just some quick hits there. And then we head to the uh, FBI confronting Benoit. Um, They say that they helped him get his win in the tournament, so they're to collect for protection. And Benoit says if they want to collect, they can collect in the ring. So just a quick way to set up a match between him, him and Nunzio. So very random match. Yeah, 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 they they uh they bet on uh, Benoit the previous oh, week, so they were pissed that uh, Benoit had lost. So uh, Nunzio wants his money uh, that Benoit lost him. So, um, but yeah, Benoit says you can collect it in a ring, like in his uh, super cold and <laughs> right, <laughs> right, all right. And uh, you mentioned uh, Justin Roberts. Here's somebody that's very easy to mix up with Justin Roberts, and that's Josh Matthews, and he's a sable. <laughs> um, she says that all the men come to see her and the women want to be her. He says, would you, Josh, uh, would you like to, are you a good judge for the Sable? And, and then, wait, what is she like? Do you know what it's like to have voluptuous breasts, tight abs? And she goes, I do, Josh, which is why I can judge the hottest body competition. She's being very seductive to Josh Matthews, kind of rubbing all over him. And then she kind of walks away. So just her, um, her putting over the Sable invitation on set for tonight, but the the best line is from Taz because as the segment said, oh, yeah. uh, Josh Matthews is standing there, and goes, "Cole, he's frozen stiff." Oh, clearly. <laughs> and then, uh, and then later in the, <laughs> and then later in the show, he 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 says, "I think I think Matthews is still standing back there. If you go, <laughs> if you get a camera on him." <laughs> Like he's wow. there, like thirty minutes later, just standing stiff because she uh, let her let him touch her uh, abs and stuff like that. So just yeah, Taz is awesome. Yeah, the best. Um, but yeah, just getting over more of this sable, like kind of weird, <laughs> like a seductress mm-hmm. character thing. 
All right, we get um, our weekly, uh, the superstars visiting the military. They visited a Navy ship, uh, I believe it was in Norfolk. Pretty straightforward there. And then we get to a uh, our match with Nunzio and Benoit. Um, I liked it. I don't know if he was doing this on purpose or he's just being Taz, but he called Johnny Stamboli, <laughs> Johnny Stromboli. <laughs> I think he just fucked it up, honestly. Right. Same, which is like, sometimes I have to stop myself because it just seems like they would call him that just because. But he killed me because it's like, well, at least, I mean, Taz on the show and he accidentally called him Stromboli, but um, just a good Taz. Taz um, A few good spots in this match. Uh, Neckbreaker by Nunzio. Benoit hit a nice enziguri. Uh, the story was, it was all about Nunzio kind of being overmatched, but then Benoit having to overcome the interference from the rest of the boys. So they kind of go back and forth on that. And uh, I enjoyed the finish because it's like Nunzio goes for the Aruba Derche arm bar, but uh, Benoit reverses that to a cross face pretty quick, straight. Uh, keep saying this, but it's just these two shows, everything about it's like, it's, you know, it's to the point. Benoit goes in, he takes care of business. He doesn't even take his shirt off. If that even tells you anything. So I went two on it because I enjoyed some of the spots, but it was it was very fast and to the point. And then the crew jumped Benoit after. So I guess maybe we're getting the FBI versus Benoit, which is certainly uh, a demotion for Benoit at this point. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, maybe it builds to a big tag between the FBI and a few other guys, maybe when Taker comes back, but uh, who knows. Um, but the Benoit chops throughout this match are just devastating. It, <laughs> poor Nunzio's not, not a very big guy to begin with, so his uh, not very very muscly chest is probably just gets devastated by those just cracks and just how how they sound are just nasty, um, just devastating as all hell. Um, I thought it was a solid, pretty quick uh, little match. Um, Benoit had to constantly fight off the numbers, like you said, uh, but he eventually overcomes it and gets the gets the victory. Um, but yeah, two, uh, is what I went on as well. Right. All right. We then, uh, we go backstage where Tajiri and Funaki are hanging out. They're watching the, uh, the, the Ray Mysterio hitting the six one nine on big show <laughs> last week and losing their shit, cracking up. Um, like as we've said, they're just really overplaying how funny it was, but I do have to admit that the, uh, they pause it on big show's face. And he has the dumbest face, like this very angry, like he looks like a uh, Shrek or some shit. Like, yeah. And his <laughs> eyes are bulging out of his head. It looks like so. Yeah. <laughs> right. So that was funny. But, and then big show's pissed. He comes in and destroys the TV and the VCR to kind of show how I, that he's an angry giant mm-hmm. and they just stop making fun of him. So. Bastards. How dare them? All right. Um, all right. We carry on. Our next match is going to be uh, Ray, who's kind of in this feud with Big Show now, and he's going to be facing the newest Matitude follower. Which, if you would, if you would have, uh, if you would have asked me, Logan, and you would have said, "Look, if you can guess this, I'll give you a large sum of money." There's no way in fuck I would have guessed that it was going to be Crash Holly as the newest Matitude follower. Um, but he's back. Um, I've even mentioned, I mean, that he's like, oh, you know, he's been on velocity, but, uh, here's crash. <laughs> um, Matt is of course with uh crash, his latest follower. And we find out that Matt only uses low fat, uh, salad dressing. So, yep. Only one. Uh, I was sad. Crash is real basic in this match. He doesn't really, like, I felt like he kind of held Ray down because 
Ray could usually make something out of anything, but I didn't even think Crash was like a good base for Ray to do his stuff. Like it's more of Crash doing some really basic offense and Ray bumping around for him. I did pop for him calling a a task called a Crash instead of uh, instead of an MFR. I think he's more of a, a moron. <laughs> Yeah, he's the head moron, I think is what yeah. they call it. So yeah. he, he's uh, Shannon's number one follower. So, um, But Ray gets taken to the outside. He takes the Met uh, book to the head. So, you know, just Ray fighting for underneath. He makes his comeback. Uh, uh, Crash even fucks up the springboard senton landing as he doesn't really catch him on it. So that kind of looks a little janky. But Ray gets to run it, hits the leg drop, and uh, takes care of business here. But... I want to start three quarters on it. Not Ray's fault. I just thought Crash kind of sucked in this match. Like, he couldn't, you know, it was a lot of boring Crash, basic offense. And, again, when Ray gets his comeback, he can't even hit some of the moves. Like, I don't know. I've never, like, disliked Crash, per se. I just thought he looked kind of shitty here. Yeah, I was it wasn't Ray's best opponent. I, I do think Ray. I went to one as well. I think Ray emerged, has emerged as one of the like best TV workers. So I think he gets as good as he can out of Crash here. Uh, I just don't like you said. I don't think Crash is the best uh, the base the best base like kind of like you said uh, for him to kind of play off of. Um, I don't know if you heard this, but they say something about Crash living near a prison at some point, <laughs> and that he has like a bunch of animals. He has like five dogs and three cats and two rodents. Yeah, yeah, I, just, like, yeah. just like a bunch of fish and shit. I was like, what are they talking? Yeah, Ted's about? like, I don't want to know the smell of air. Probably smells like a zoo. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, that was just a commentary note that I wrote down. But just absolutely absurd. Um, yeah, but they call they call Crash the head moron because he's uh, Sh- Shannon's number one follower. So that was uh, quite hilarious as well. But yeah, I, I think Ray did as good as he could here. Um, but I, I think Crash is pretty checked out uh, at this point because I don't think he's around too much longer. So, um, but yeah, not not a not a horrible match, but not Ray's best for sure. We'll have to ask Ryan Gray. I'm sure he's putting on two and three quarter bangers on Velocity and Jacked uh, oh, every yeah, week. 100%. Right. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I think you could tell, like, uh, maybe Cole and Taz knew there was not a whole lot happening on the shows because they were just, especially Taz, was just letting it rip with that random, like. Yeah, maybe that's uh, why he was like that in this show because yeah, he, like, he has a lot of zingers for sure. Yeah. All right, we have uh, seen a backstage, and he's studying the film uh, with A-Train, and we see the footage that he wants to reveal. It's actually, um, we see Brock dropping A-Train right on his neck doing an F5, a nasty, like, uh, dropped him on a stack of dimes, Logan. Um, but uh, this obviously didn't make air, so as we're talking about the top of the show, this must have been one of these uh, kind of botches that they added off of SmackDown because uh definitely did not see that when they had their match. So. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Cena uses that as fodder to try and hype up A Train to soften up, uh, soften up Brock, saying he's trying to end your career, and uh, it works because now Train wants to destroy Brock, so he succeeds at getting Train fired up. So again, kind of just showing that Cena's crafty and that he's gonna, you know, he's looking out for himself. He's kind of using dumb A Train as like a, <laughs> uh, you know, like a, a, you know, like as a. Uh, can't think of the word I'm trying to think of. Like a like it's flunky to go in there uh, and soften up Brock any way he can. And if uh, and if A Train gets destroyed, then who cares? Yeah, maybe uh, maybe A Train can uh, reprise his role as the hip hop hippo and be uh, uh, 
Seamus next B squared or whatever. So <laughs> what a what a career that man has. I know. You think about. <laughs> I mean, he's good. He's a good TV worker, as we've kind of right. Yeah, no, so I've enjoyed it's him. Like, it makes sense that he's like a coach and all that now, but just the gimmicks. Yeah, and like just he started off being named after like a penis piercing, and <laughs> then like apparently he's like a big deal in Japan at one point, like mm-hmm. as Tensai, and then yeah, he's the hip hop hippo. What, what a journey! Sweet he's a shitty commentary <laughs> in NXT. Oh yeah, that's really bad. Yeah, that's that's definitely the worst part of his career is his uh, commentary uh, bits for sure looking forward to that one aaron uh the wrestler that was <laughs> albert oh, <God. laughs> don't think all he's right. gonna make the list <laughs> right. um all right ricky so we didn't mention this but they hyped this up at the beginning we we're actually gonna get a roddy piper match on this show he's gonna be facing rikishi so um kind of like a you know not a whole lot of fanfare for this being piper's return uh, you know, Piper's obviously very limited here. Uh, he wrestles with the shirt off, which is a, a choice given his physical state. He doesn't very want pasty. Yeah, pasty, little doughy, definitely not in ring shape. But, uh, you know, he hits some punches. He takes like one bump, I think, in this match. Like uh, he gets knocked down once. But, yeah, it's just him and Rikishi trading punches a little bit. Rikishi takes over, puts him in stink face position, and then – uh Sean O'Hare comes in, hits a low blow, and then hits kind of his finisher. I don't know if they gave it a name, but it's like a reverse DVD, um, which yeah, is pretty good. Um, no, I thought, it, I thought it looked sick for sure. Yeah, but otherwise, I, as a lot on the show, just I keep saying it, it's just straightforward. Like, get these guys out there. You need Piper. You know, quick run in. Obviously, Piper's not going to have a real match. I don't even think I gave this a rating because, I mean. I didn't either. Yeah. No point in it, really. But the DVD was good. And you just, it's just surprising here to see Piper here with, like, no gravity. Just coming out here, like, as sort of like a, you know, intermediary between Rikishi and Sean O'Hare. It's just an eye. Well, he gets a little bit of a pop with the bagpipes, but it's just weird to see him go out here in this throwaway match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's weird to kind of promote this as a match because it ends up just kind of being a segment to, like, put over O'Hare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and get over his m- move that he's obviously going to have going forward. So, um, yeah, definitely strange. Um, I, I guess you want to get these guys featured out there so they can kind of have some eyes on them right before the pay-per-view. But um, just it's not the most expiring feud in the first place. Mm-hmm. And just this pairing of Piper and O'Hare is just still weird to me. So right. um, it's going to take a lot to get used to um, for sure. Yeah, I feel like that would have been a more effective use. Like, have them get the mic and do something, even though Piper's not, you know, and it's prime on the mic either, but <laughs> something. It's like, like I said, it's like they do it just like Raw. Like, we're get, we're seeing these guys who are going to be in the pay-per-view, but they're not really doing anything too groundbreaking or interesting or memorable. So Yeah. All right, we get another uh, La Resistance promo. I don't think they're calling them that yet, but, you know, they are. It actually uh, does say their name on this. Uh, oh, okay. I didn't know it this, really but. does, yeah. There we go. So maybe I did notice and I didn't anyway. Um, but their thing is, uh, don't be afraid in French. But they also show in this one, the the only new thing in this is they also show their physique, which they are in sick shape. So we kind of see that physically they're probably, despite, you know, them being sissies, of course, from France, yeah. that uh, they're, they have, uh, they might be formidable physically. <laughs> yeah, they, they did look like they were in very good shape. Uh, 
two two fine strapping young uh, Frenchmen for sure. Um, but yeah, they do they do show the name uh, at the very end. La Resistance. Uh, they flash that at the end. And yeah, don't be afraid was what I was trying to remember uh, last episode because that doesn't really strike fear. Like it tells it tells you not to be fearful <laughs> of them. So like I I mean I, I they're they're I know what they're going for, but that that doesn't really strike like oh he's gonna get me right. they're gonna get me so you know. Um, but yeah, that's what I was thinking of on the last episode. Right. All right. We head back to the ring for the Sable Invitational Bikini Contest. Uh, and she tells us that the reason she wants to do this is people keep telling her she's the hottest. She wants to see if that's really true. Um, she then goes after Tori saying that uh, Tori's been feeling fat because she's been doing so much press, you know, for Playboy. She hasn't had, had much time <laughs> in the gym. And we get another Taz line. He's like, oh, she wants to be talking about the cool fat like yeah. <laughs> uh, so Nydia comes down first uh, then Dawn uh, Nydia does uh, <laughs> wait no they get to, and uh, we find out that Tori is going to participate she shows up and says that if you're going to do this contest you can't do it without the Playboy cover model um, Taz calls this a quad a tra <laughs> like a menage a trois with four yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Nydia has this uh, great value Godfather music when she does her reveal it was like completely absurd. Like it's like <laughs> uh, she has the wild dance moves that Taz says uh, he compares it to an epileptic fit. Because <laughs> she's like <laughs> spazzing out. Uh, um, uh, Dawn's is pretty standard. She just kind of struts around a bit, and then Tori gives hers, and she focuses on Sable, gives her like a seductive dance, and is rubbing all over her. Um, we get to the judging, and uh, Sable announces that Nitty and Dawn both win in a tie and then they jump Tori, hold her down. Uh, and then, uh, Tori had a lollipop. Sable steals the lollipop from her. And so, uh, yeah. So I think the whole point of this was two things. Obviously is to see all these women in their bikinis is out the obvious one, but it's like the first time we've seen Sable kind of turn on Tori and screw her over and, you know, be negative towards her. So maybe it's in, you know, the big, She's playing the mind games as always, but uh, yeah, just like showing that Sable, like which we all knew from the beginning, like she has an ulterior motive. Well, we don't know what her motive is, but she's kind of healing off on on Tori now. So and that was the segment. Yeah, I thought I had missed something because I was like, why is Sable all of a sudden starting to like mm-hmm. trash talk uh, Tori? So, yeah, uh, obviously it's just something to build kind of tension between them uh, going forward, and obviously the attack afterwards. Um, uh, was obviously leading more to to that uh, side of things that they're going to kind of be against each other. Um, just the fact that they make fun of Nidia's dancing the whole time is just <laughs> it's it's so mean and so unnecessary. And like, <laughs> why was she out there? And why did she uh, why did she have to do that? So um, because I mean, and also she she said some words, and all I can ever hear when she talks is. Uh, Tim Capel's impression of her, so um, where he she like furiously chews the gum and goes, "Oh well, you know, you know." Yeah, like my fucking dance, fuck you. <laughs> so uh, that's all I can hear whenever she speaks. So, but um, right. yeah, a weird segment, but obviously it was just to push some tension between Tori and Sable. Yeah, and I wonder like if they're gonna elaborate on this because it's like, why is Tori dancing on her? Like, is she trying to impress Sable? Is like, are Sable's advances working? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So. Maybe, maybe 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 you know uh, maybe Sable was trying to be you know 
not lecherous, but whatever you want to say towards Tori. And she wasn't expecting her to reciprocate it. So now that she is, she's like, oh, I'm not into this. So, Right. Or maybe we're trying to find something that they're yeah. just like, oh, we don't know. We just want to like skin a max. Mm-hmm. They're like, we're not thinking that much into it. We yeah, just want excuse your, 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 your original thought was right. They just threw these out and wanted to see them in bikini. So that that's how it worked. <laughs> All right, Team right. Angle tell us that when they uh, retain their belts, they're going to dedicate their win to Kurt. Kurt. Um, and then we head to uh, the warm-up match. So, uh, again, this is right out the playbook. We have a tag match at the pay-per-view. So we have two of the guy, one guy from each team in a singles match with the partners on the outside is going to be Chavo and Shelton. So um, get some chain wrestling from Shelton to start, but Chavo lands a dropkick. Uh, nice little senton by Chavo and uh, uh Shelton comes back with kind of like a almost like a fireman's carry slam, but with some real nice elevation. Really launched Chavo on that one. Chavo comes right back with a flapjack. Um, terrible STF though by Chavo. Like he was good in the beginning, but God, the STF was terrible. Um, and like, look, you could tell this might have been some SmackDown editing because they kept like showing everything but where he had his hands locked in. And even Taz is like, uh, look how he's jamming the knee. And like he did not say anything about what he was doing with his hands because it was. <laughs> He had no grip. Uh, Haas assists here. Uh, the ref somehow cares. Like, so Haas, like, jumps in and tries to interfere, and then Eddie attacks him. And for whatever reason, the ref cares about that. Like, he starts admonishing Eddie for attacking Charlie Haas. Neither one of them is in the match. And so during that, Haas kicks Chavo and uh, and ends up winning with that because of the Haas interference. But just, like, way too messy. Like, they wanted these two teams out there, but the ending was just, like, Way too sloppy. Made no sense. Like some horrible refing. Like why is he worried about like the two guys are in the match? I want to start a half on it. Some good moves in the beginning, but the finish was all kinds of convoluted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I, I thought, yeah, the ref was very bad in this one for sure. Um, But yeah, I I thought. I thought both guys seemed kind of seemed off throughout the match. Um, I, mm-hmm. I feel like that Centon that you talked about, he over, like Chavo overshot it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like for Chavo being the quote unquote veteran in this match, I feel like he kind of got schooled by the rookie. Uh, that's mm-hmm. also just me saying, AKA Chavo sucks. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> but like I said, I felt like both guys were kind of off throughout the, this match and definitely at the end, it kind of fell apart. Uh, not the best that I know. I know that these two guys could put out as much as I hate Chavo. I know he's a good worker and I know Shelton's uh, better than this. So uh, not the best, uh, but I went two on it. Yeah. That, um, that STF made Cena's look like, you know, like a master oh, yeah. class. <laughs> right. Um, and then of course the Guerreros didn't jump them for revenge. So just to make sure the Guerreros get a little bit of shine mm-hmm. again. Make sure everybody's out there, but nobody's doing anything too memorable. All right. Um, we had the Cena, who um, I like the framing of this because you got Cena sitting like on a crate or something. And you could see at first you just see a train shadow going in the background. And then you see a train pacing behind him. Mm-hmm. But he tells Brock the pain is coming. The pain, the pain's coming from the train. So uh, just to hype up that match. But again, I like the framing of it. The pain has come from the train. I like that one. Um, but yeah, just good little promo by Cena. And uh, obviously, like you said, train looks pretty menacing in the background. All right. We then had to um, kind of similar deal here as a uh, big shows. We facing Ray at the pay-per-view. So he's going to face his pal to jury. Uh, very much a cat and mouse uh, structure. This 
to Jerry fire some kicks, but gets his head taken off by Big Show. Um, Big Show hits the frying pan slaps, which uh, in this case, I guess, because Jerry Taz calls the uh, the walk uh, slaps. So probably a little offensive there, but Tajiri gets a little comeback. I did think uh, Big Show kind of sold Tajiri's offense okay. Like, he was selling the kicks. Yeah. Um, but Ray's music hits here, so Big Show gets distracted. But it's not enough to save Tajiri. He still eats the choke slam. Um, but Ray actually does come out after the music plays, after a delay, and Show is trying to look around for him. He thinks Ray's under the, the ring etc etc and then big show gets counted out so to jury actually picks up the win um officially so one star in the match uh you know i think i'll bump it up to a star and a half i thought to yeah. kicks were pretty good um for what it was is like a little cat and mouse two-minute match but again the match was kind of secondary to just building the this big show ray feud which um i don't know what would you think of the match and we'll talk about this feud a little bit yeah, I'm 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 with you. I went one and a half. Um, yeah, definitely like a good little cat and mouse kind of like you're saying. Um, uh, when Tajiri was walking out, he like has his finger under his nose, so I said he snorted a line of coke off his finger before he was <laughs> uh, walking down the ramp. Um, I I don't know the why white, Tajiri, the white mist. Yeah, the, the white, white mist. mist. <laughs> um, but I had another ref uh, fuck up here. I said, why was Tajiri not DQ'd when Ray pushed Joe into the post? So, like, right. you know, I, it was an attack from a person that's not in the match. So what's going on here? Um, but I thought it was a pretty good showcase for Big Show to show him throwing a cruiserweight around ahead of this match that he has with Ray. So it shows him facing a smaller guy, kind of chucking him around, uh, showing his size advantage that he obviously has over this guy. But Tajiri looked good with his kicks and stuff, like you said. So, um Definitely not a bad match, but not not too much to it at the same time. Right. But uh, it's a weird feud to me because one thing is like, so we're kind of, I guess it's not crazy we could have Ray and Tajiri tagging again, but they kind of started that team and they were looking pretty good. Now it seemed to have bailed on that. And then I guess I'm trying to think of like, what's the, I mean, I know what the end game ends up being. It, it's going to be a pretty infamous spot. We'll see at the pay-per-view, but <laughs> like, I don't know what you're accomplishing here because like they're probably not gonna let Big Show lose to Ray, lose to this little guy, but Big Show's doing fuck all right now. Like, do you really want to feed Ray, who should be moving on to bigger things because he's awesome? I mean, he was facing Kurt, Kurt at the at some at the SummerSlam, the SummerSlam. So, uh, you know, like I feel like he shouldn't just be like Big Show fodder. So I just don't know where you go with this. Like, I just don't see how it really helps either guy. Like. Ray should be like one of your stars of SmackDown, so I don't want him losing the Big Show. I don't know; it's just a weird feud to me. Yeah, I, I can see where it may help Big Show, just kind of showing him as a killer again, and not this goof that you know he's kind of been presented as uh, a couple other times. I mean, obviously, if Ray wins, maybe that goes against what what I just said, but um, I, I think it's pretty obvious Big Show's probably going to go over in this one. But um, but yeah, maybe just to show him that he's ruthless and he'll do anything mm-hmm. to take out these these little guys on his way to maybe back, back up to the top a little bit. So, um, I mean, it, it could definitely help big show. I mean, obviously if Ray beats him, that would help Ray, but I don't think it's to that mm-hmm. point with Ray that you're going to put him over somebody like a giant, like the big show. Right. More respect for Ray. He should be, he should be like, a like I'm not saying main event. Cause I don't think he should be going for the title, but he should be presented as like a, top tier SmackDown guy, like kind of in that Benoit level where he can 
dance with the main event, but yeah, I don't know. Strap him up the cruiserweight title and let him like carry that, do something, but not feed him the stupid big show who, who was wearing his stupid black jeans uh, a couple <laughs> months ago. All right. Anyway, sorry. All right. Uh, Brock is backstage. He's pressing the CO2 cans. Uh, we're told this is a very unorthodox training regimen here. Logan pressing the CO2 cans or the canisters, whatever we call them. Tanks. Um, we then head to Stephanie's office where we zoom in right up her butt. And uh, she turns around and tells us like, oh, uh, you know, obviously Tori and Sable are ever have rock and bods. But, you know, this is America. So we all have you know, different kind of bodies or whatever. And then she tells us, um, and she loves America. And so she's signed Mr. America. Just really like, they're really like trying to like, um, they're really going in circles trying to justify why they <laughs> zoomed in on Stephanie's ass. Like you just want to show her, butt. it's fine. Like, you don't have to, like, you know, she's trying to connect all this. Like, well, you know, like America, we zoomed in on my ass because of America. Like what? <laughs> Yeah, this is uh, this is in the collection of Sean Kidd's most possible moments. Uh-huh. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, she says she's like an all-American girl, and like we, we all have different shape. We all come in different shapes and sizes, and that's what's great about America and stuff. Like it's just so weird, like how the how she <laughs> got there. It's just like whatever, man. You wanted to show your butt, and you made it yeah. part of your promo. So, <laughs> or Vince did. Oh, yeah, that's put true. My, put my daughter's ass on there, right in my lens. <laughs> Show her voluptuous ass on the camera. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So at this point, Logan, we get um, the final. Before we get to our main event, we're going to get the final uh, hard sell card rundown for Backlash 2003, which we get. So we'll run through this. I have it up right here. All right. So this is your card, Logan. We are going to get Team Angle versus Los Guerreros, which we saw built a little bit earlier. Sean O'Hare versus Rikishi. RVD and Kane versus the Dudley Boys. Jazz versus Trish Stratus. Big Show versus Ray. Brock versus Cena. The sixth man from Raw with the click in uh, Evolution. And then Goldberg and Rock. So that is the card as it has come together. Um, how are you feeling about this? Um... <laughs> Uh, I think that I think the uh, the tag team uh, the SmackDown tag team title match could be pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how O'Hare looks in his first match that we, we will have seen uh, real real long or not long but real full length match uh, that he's had. Mm-hmm. I think he had a squash or two uh, before, but um, you know the raw tag. Obviously, I don't think the Dudleys are going to beat Kane be the ones to beat Kane and Rob Van Dam. So that's that's kind of whatever. Um, Jazz and Trish has been built up pretty good, so I'm, I would look forward to that one. Um, we just talked about Big Show and Ray. Um, like, I think it could be a good building block for Big Show, but I don't think it does much for Ray. Um, definitely looking forward to the Cena Lesnar match. Um, I think that's the one I'm most most looking forward to uh, from the build that we've seen so far. Um, kind of just want the six man to be over with so we can kind of go towards something <laughs> with triple h um i think it's weird that he's not defending the belt here but uh obviously it's just a good, good way to transition from uh one guy that's on the six-man team to another guy on the six-man team and then I, i'm looking forward to goldberg rock but I, I think the build has not been uh everything i think it could have been so um overall I am looking forward to it just because I've seen the whole build to this point. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can pull out. But um, 
not not too many inspiring uh, matches uh, going into it, at least. Right. It definitely reads like a um, like we blew everything off at at WrestleMania, and now we're kind of regrouping. A lot of guys are out. Like you don't have Taker, you don't have um, you don't have Angle, so you got guys out with injuries or recovering or whatever. You kind of resetting everything. And it's like they have that, so they threw together a card, and they're like, hey, well, we got Goldberg, so buy the show for Goldberg and Rock, and then we'll put a bunch of other matches on this, so it's a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. It's kind of how it's reading for you right now. But they've done this in the past in this era, and you know, just with the sheer talent, even with the guys being out, I mean, there's there's a lot of talent on the show. So they've they pulled things out before. They pulled out pretty good shows with that maybe seemed a little sketchy um, going into them. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um but the uh, the final push here is going to be uh, we'll have Train versus Brock. Cena comes out to drop a little final freestyle on Brock. Uh, my my highlight line here is when he says uh, you couldn't cut a promo with a knife in a dictionary <laughs> or something like. <laughs> which is, uh, yeah, um, yeah, this is good. a very good rap. Uh, I feel like he's been on a roll with these, so uh, definitely mm-hmm. a good one. All right, so we actually go to the match in progress as they do the deal where they do like a break right as it's starting, kind of shoving big lads wrestling stuff going on here, just two big men going at each other, a lot of shoulder blocks, uh, a lot of posturing in between this, between Cena and Brock, like when they go to the outside, Cena's talking a bunch of shit on the mic. Uh, he tells the suburban fans they need to go back to the Yukon Denali's, <laughs> which I thought was a funny line. Um, match slows down a little bit with the... Uh, as a train locks in a sleeper. Uh, I love Cena being like such a, you know, like he's kind of intimidated by Brock. So he goes after the weakest person he can starts going after Michael Cole. Like you dissing me Cole. Like you dissing me Cole. Like he's, yeah. He was all over Cole in this match for sure. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just so good. Like he's obviously intimidated. So he's got to try and build his confidence, but uh big spine buster and a belly to belly as Brock makes a comeback. A train managed to um, come, come back with a derailer. Uh, but that is not enough. <laughs> I love this too. Um, when the derailer does a win scene is like, what's up with that Kyoto dog? What you doing? You got a position, man. Come on. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Very good. Um, <laughs> but Brock gets into the F five, but then Cena runs in and hits him with the chain to kind of end it with a DQ. And, uh, again, like a lot of these matches, the match was totally fine. I think what they were doing, they did a few big, some good big man stuff in there. I went two and a quarter on it, but it was, all about Cena being on commentary and him doing the run in as uh, and kind of standing tall over Brock as they uh, head into their match at the pay-per-view. Um, but I'm with you. I think Cena's looked good through this whole thing. It's definitely elevated him tremendously. Um, he seems like a serious character at this point, not just like a goofball with his goofy raps. Like he's got a lot more to him at this point, but, uh, but yeah, two and a quarter for me on the match. Yeah, like I said on the last episode, I don't know if his resilient heel is a is a thing, but uh, he's he's shown that in spades throughout this uh, build for sure. Um, kind of showing that maybe he could be a pretty good baby face uh, going down the line. Um, but uh, yeah, just a really good Haas match. I went two and a half on it. Um, I feel like everything these two hit uh, had ill and malicious intent in it. Uh, train hits like a shoulder block at one point, which you know. If you think about a shoulder block, that seems like a super basic move, but the mm-hmm. pop that it makes when they collide was just like yeah. it made for a really awesome sound effect and uh, made Train just seem like an absolute brick shit house that uh, couldn't get run over. Um, I, th- I I think it could have been better with a finish. I think the DQ obviously the DQ obviously had to happen for uh, the post match attack, but um, the attack 
making Cena look like a threat, and uh, and he had like a real purpose, and, and he really accomplished what he was going for. Um, you know, he 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 made Brock look uh, like, like he could be hurt, and that that you know Cena knew the knew the way that he needed to beat him, and uh, it was that he got him worn down in this match with uh, his uh, heavy uh, for a little bit, but um, and then. Cena obviously hit him with the belt and hit him with the chain and all that, busted him open a little bit. So um, he definitely accomplished what he was going in, uh, trying to do is just wear down Brock and kind of mm-hmm. um, wound him a little bit. Yep. Yep. And that's how we ended. That's our last thing before uh, we head to the pay-per-view. But uh, SmackDown overall, it was a very, very paint by numbers. Like uh, it's interesting. You mentioned like TNA, cause we do see this a lot watching the TNA stuff. It's almost like it's not the most creative stuff in the go home. Like, well, here's the matches. Here's the guys who are in the matches. And I felt like that's what this was on both shows. And uh, I felt like SmackDown maybe even more because they didn't even have like a big segment like we're all the rock concert stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so just real paint by numbers. And I didn't find the in ring. A lot of times SmackDown gets a bump because you kind of get some interesting matches and like maybe a like hidden gem sort of match. And I didn't find the in ring was kind of up to the typical SmackDown. Like the in ring didn't save it as much. So I went four out of 10, same as raw. Yeah. I think they're pretty, pretty similar. Both didn't like both didn't do a great job of building much on the pay-per-view. I mean, it, it obviously got people out there to kind of show that, Hey, they're going to be on the pay-per-view. Um, but it didn't really do much to ex- excite or, you know, you know, instill confidence that the pay-per-view was going to be something that couldn't miss. You can't miss it. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd go four out of ten as well. Kind of, kind of the same. All right, so we're uh, coasted into this pay per view here. Um, <laughs> uh, best match. So we'll get to awards. Best match. I think I'm going to go with that Raw main event at a whopping two and three quarters. <laughs> I'm going to go Hurricane and Jericho at a whopping two and three quarters. <laughs> right. up. Best moment. Uh, I guess I'm going to go Goldberg, like wipe it off the security guards, maybe, because I think that's a good kind of dominant, you know, monster Goldberg moment. Not a not a ton on these. I'm going to go post-match attack for Cena on Lesnar. Fair enough. Best show had the ratings equal, but I think I'm actually a, it's going to be a rare win for rare win for <laughs> rare win for all. Easy, easy for me to say. Uh, just because I thought they were both kind of even, but I think raw felt like a little more alive. Like it didn't yeah. feel quite as like, you like I said, you at least had the rock thing going on. So, um, I'll go with the raw, I guess by default. Yeah. That, that's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, they tied, so we don't usually give it to raw. So, uh, give raw a bone. They, they at least had the rock concert, like you said. So that was, that was entertaining and probably more entertaining than most stuff that was on SmackDown because SmackDown usually at least like you said has the matches but it, it didn't really have a blow away match uh, when when an opener to a show is the best match you watch the whole time uh, of two uh, of a two show pod is probably not a good sign right um, LVP I think I'm going to go crash he sucked in that match yeah that, that that's that's a good choice I, I'll support yeah. that <laughs> Or Bischoff for that awful leader oh, segment. Yeah, that could be yeah. that could be one for sure. All right, MVP. We've given it to Cena a bunch, and I think if I was gonna go like with a wrestler, I'd probably go Cena again. But even Cena he didn't even really have a match here, so 
this is like the perfect week for me to give it to Taz as kind of a, uh, I don't know how to say it, not a lifetime achievement award for just killing it his entire run. And there's nobody else that really was that great on this. So, you know what? Taz was probably the most entertaining part of SmackDown. So I'm giving it to Taz. He's the best. <laughs> yeah, he was really great. And I support your decision. But I will, uh, for the third show in a row, I'll give it to John Cena because I think he looked pretty good in that post match attack. And then uh, he looked pretty good in that match with Rhino. So. Man, president of the C Nation over here. I know. Cruisers and John Cena. Fan club. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Love right. me some to jury Ray Mysterio. <laughs> Bugonomics. So, yeah. Uh, top five. I did think we got some pretty good performances. I think Rock was pretty good. Again, not up to his top tier Hollywood Rock stuff. Um, definitely uh, a Booker. I thought was good for sure. Um, given the position he was put in. Uh, I liked, I don't know who you got, Logan. Uh, Gold, <laughs> Goldberg actually probably deserves to be mm-hmm. in it at this point. So, um, I, I think he, I think he actually finally looked good for one, even though he kind of looked dumb a little bit, but, um, uh, I think, I think he definitely deserves to be in it for this one. Um, I thought Lesnar looked good in the, in the A-Train match. Uh, he, he's been MIA for a little bit. Just done A-Train, promos. that's a good one too. Yeah, an Train's A-Train too, one. yeah. Yeah, he mm-hmm. always kills it, so. Um, yeah, some pretty solid performances, but nothing super blow. I mean, big show, you could say maybe, uh, he looked pretty good in that match with the jury. So look, I'm not even kidding. Gilberg, like, <laughs> he was so, yeah. <laughs> he was so good. Uh, Kevin Nash's, uh, quads are holding up, uh, as he ran. <laughs> he, he does the rhino scurry. He doesn't quite run. <laughs> yeah, he's... All right, Logan. Well, that wraps us up. Thanks for doing this whole four weeks of this tepid build to this pay-per-view. <laughs> um, uh, but you'll be joining me for the pay-per-view in a couple of weeks. Uh, what do you have going on pod-wise? Which, in other words, is what I also have going on pod-wise. <laughs> I wouldn't do this for anybody but you, Jake. I promise. Uh, <laughs> but I'll plug a few things. Highway to the Impact Zone. We're both on every episode. Uh, I'm the teacher. You are the student or uh the, co- the host and co-host uh, as we've kind of transitioned into now as you kind of have uh, been educated enough on uh, TNA to con- I consider you somewhat of an expert at this point um, but yeah we're just going through TNA we're in 06 right now uh, our next episode will be the go home to uh, lockdown 2006 so uh, and the uh, first episode on Thursday nights as they transition into that so uh, looking forward to watching those couple shows um, Seven Months of Danger is another show on the North-South Connection here. Uh, we're going through the Dangerous Alliance storyline. Uh, we're kind of getting towards the end. We just uh, Super Brawl 2 episode just came out. So uh, after this, we'll start building towards uh, Wrestle War 92. So that should be interesting. Um, Cronoso Monthly is uh, me and Jenny do that uh, every month. Uh, we do a match uh, on that. As I think you're on that as well. Um, and then Talking Docs is a new documentary pod uh, that just released uh, with me, the Cowboy, and Jennifer Smith. And uh, we talked about uh, the Heaven's Gate cult of cults. So check that out. Very good. All right. So, um, all right, Logan, you'll be with me in a couple weeks. We'll be in Worcester for Backlash 2003. Let's see how it checks out. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, we will see you then. Later. Johnny, rising up your bow and play your fiddle hard.
Cause hell's broke loose in Georgia and the devil deals the cards And if you win, you get this shiny fiddle made of gold But if you lose, the devil gets your soul up his case and he said I'll start this show and fire flew from his fingertips as he rosined up his bow and he pulled the bow across the strings and it made an evil hiss and then a band of demons joined in and it sounded something like this Johnny said, well, you're pretty good, old son, but sit down in that chair right there and let me show you how it's done. Fire on the mountain, run, boys, run. The devil's in the house of the rising sun. Chicken in the bread pan, picking out dough. Granny does your dog bite, no child, no. The devil bowed his head because he knew that he'd been beat And he laid that golden fiddle on the ground at Johnny's feet Johnny said, devil, just come on back if you ever want to try again I done told you once, you son of a bitch, I'm the best there's ever been He played fire on the mountain, run, boys, run Devil's in the house of the rising sun A chicken in the bread pan, a picking out dough Granny, we don't fight, no child, no